another episode of Unfiltered with Bob Z. And today we have a very, very special guest in the house. Um, uh, gentleman that we have here today is, uh, I guess, one of the, uh, I want to try to label him, but I, I just want to let you know that I'm very, very, uh, uh, I've been knowing this guy. He is like one of the most knowledgeable people about the affairs of not just the city of Norfolk, but I mean, he's like a walking historian. And for me, I mean, I really like the history of the area and particularly the history, the African-American history that this area is rich in. And this, this guy, he is really, really an encyclopedia of terms and people, and, and he prides himself on it. So um, I'm, I'm here with um, Rodney Jordan. He's the current vice chair of the school board for the city of Norfolk. And welcome, Rodney. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, inviting me and. Glad to see what you're doing and uh, wish you all the success in the world. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Rod, I mean, Rodney, go back a little ways, and we always, uh, you know, discuss and debate and everything, but, but that's, that's, what, that's what people should do. I think people should have a, a dialogue, and whether they agree or not, but it's always an open dialogue. And, and I want to thank him for um, coming up to uh, the show. And at first, I know he's the chair of the school board, so I was like, well, Former we're going to. Oh, well, excuse me, vice chair. Yeah, her vice chair, that's okay, right. Okay, mm -hmm. maybe it's a wishful thing. <laughs> maybe for you. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't think I'm alone, but, um, you know, but I wanted to, like, stay in, within education, but it's like so, Rodney's just a wealth of knowledge, and so sometimes, you know, we get off, and we may do that, get off on a little tangent today, but my first question is dealing with the, um, some school issues. How do you feel about the students um, not being able to return to face-to-face um, -face instruction this fall? I know you were the lone dissenting vote in, in the, on, the, on the school board, and, and I was like, well, if Rodney did it, it must, it must be, I want to know, I want to know. I, I wasn't just going to take it at face value. So, so first of all, let me say, you know, I, I support the decision that the board made. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't so much that I was a dissenting vote as much as um, in talking to parents in uh, doing my own research and looking at some of the realities, what I thought we should uh, be including on day one was an opportunity for some students who needed it uh, to be able to have some in-person instruction to the extent that we could provide that in a safe environment. So today we find that a lot of school divisions around the Commonwealth and around the country are providing uh, uh, daycare, they're providing learning hubs, uh, you find uh, students going to the Y, they're going to somebody's house. So I felt that the school system could provide uh, some of those same opportunities in a limited safe area uh, uh, right in our buildings. And especially for, you know, now Norfolk has kind of adopted my term of uh, equity and opportunity students. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we do have, we do have students that the in-person instruction research shows it works better for them. And so what I was advocating was for us to plan from day one for us to have 
that option available for working parents, for students who needed it, for students with disabilities or students that just found that the uh, online uh, only option was not suitable for them. Right. And then I think something that we'll talk about a little bit later, that there is this uh, significant divide in terms of access to mm -hmm. technology and broadband. So I spent the last 20, 25 years of my career working to connect families right. to broadband. So I feel like I have a certain understanding of that issue. And so I don't want any child on the first day of school to not be able to access learning uh, simply because of you know, where they happen to live or who their parents happen to be. We have to make sure that every child is excelling and has access to learning on day one, and that's always going to be my priority. Well, certainly there was a compromise somewhere that could be, it was, you know, um, I understand, um, we, I think we all understand, I know you do the health and safety of our students comes first. I mean, absolutely. I don't think that, that was an um, a issue or even a, a you know, a forethought. But um, I think it should have maybe perhaps it could have been a midway point or something, you know, where, where you know, I know that, um, for example, I, you know, I've been a substitute in, in all, you know, yes, lot, you most of the schools and I've had programs, anti-bullying programs and safe summer programs and, and you've, you've been to a lot of them and participated. So I know there's some kids that don't need to be at home. I mean, and, and for whatever reason, it, they, they could have a, a strange uncle or aunt or yes. something. I don't, you know, I'm just going to yes. be real with it. Yes. You know, um, they don't need to be at home. Yeah. And so we have to, you can't blanket, some things just can't have a blanket policy to say everybody because um, I know you don't like the term <laughs> at risk, but, you know, for me, just some of the students who are in, who are, they they may be at risk, you know, for or for something that, that could happen or just, like I said, it's just, it, I mean, I've looked around the country as well, and there's some places that, that have um, mandatory virtual learning. Yes. However, they understand that, you know, like, you know, this is not going to work no matter what you do. It's not going to work for this situation. So no, I, I think that, so I agree with you. Um, I didn't feel when at the time that we were having the discussion that we really set aside a sufficient amount of time to delve into it. Mm. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's in the past. Right. But where, where we are today, I think we are going to find that um, options will be uh, made available. You see right now in the newspaper, uh, some of the other school divisions in the area are already talking about uh, trying to bring students back in two weeks. I still hear, hear from parents that feel that it's important that they have that opportunity. So right now, um, Norfolk has agreed to, to do virtual in the first nine weeks. And so what I've been trying to do is outside of that school system environment, you know, connect parents to learning pods, connect them to the Y, connect them to community organizations, teams with a purpose is putting together a program where they're working with uh, okay. middle school students and high school students. So I think what we can do right now, because uh, I agree with you, as somebody who actually knocked on doors mm -hmm. and, and does home visits, uh, everybody's circumstances aren't the same. Right. And so I think there's this tendency in public education to, uh, to look through things through the lens of our own circumstances. Mm. But I think it's my responsibility uh, as a school board member or just being out in the community to try to take into, considerations, into consideration everybody's circumstance. And I think if we would find a way to um, reorientate the system 
to make sure that if you want to use the term at risk, I don't like it. If you want to use the term vulnerable, I don't like it. But we know what we're talking about. Right. If we take care of uh, those students and those families, I think we'll take care of everybody else. What we have seen for the last 50 years, taking care of those who are already connected does not automatically mean that you're going to take care of those who are on the negative side of the equity equation. And I'm an advocate for us taking uh, making sure that all students are, are served. Okay. Um, I think uh, one of the arguments, I guess, I don't know, I don't want to say uh, um, the far right, but, you know, but the far right, uh, socialization, I think that, that that's some a piece of it. It's the socialization piece where, you know, um, when kids interact in school and, you know, they develop, you know, um, by interacting um, with the socialization and also um, just keeping that, that, that thought process and looking at how this, what I like to, seems like a virtual experiment almost, with, with, you know, it's new territory, so every, everything is new. But uh, one of the, I guess one of the philosophies that I always kind of adhere to, maybe it's a scientific rule, that uh, every action has an opposite equal and equal opposite reaction, reaction. you know, and uh, so I'm thinking, you know, what, you know, you have any thoughts on how, so that you know, that lack of socialization or, and I think it, we'll see it play out, but, you know, just looking forward. Well, so, so first let me talk about it from the, from the far, as you mentioned, the far right, it's interesting. So <laughs> I, I feel like I learned the principles of socialization from my grandmother, so, you know, when all the cousins were over the house, right? Uh, you know, everybody wanted to go to Granny's house. You know, she's the one that said, no, y'all come in here, you know, sit at the table. You're all going to talk to one another. There's, they, our ancestors understood, I believe, the benefit of engagement. I think mm. others have learned from us and then have co-opted, right? you right. know, co-opted that message. But I, I think we've already seen some of the challenges of what happens when we're isolated. So... Um, you know, as we've gone through this pandemic and we went through the closures and I know I've been holed up in the house. I know you have been, you know, we come out some, we've been involved in marches and things of that type, but not being able to do what we're doing right now, seeing each other, look in the eye, right. uh, get that feel. You know, I, I think our culture in particular, we deal with soul and spirit and, mm -hmm. and being able to have that touchy feelingness, even if it's not literally touching and feeling one another. Right. I think when we're isolated, when we're locked up, when we don't get sunlight, when we don't get exercise, uh, when we aren't able to, uh, you know, run around the field, I think that does have uh, uh, an impact on our physical being and our spiritual being and our social being. So those who are advocating for socialization, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, you're someone who has done a lot of work uh, for years preparing uh, adults and young people to move into the workforce. So we know socialization is a 21st century work skill, being able to work with one another, collaborate with one another. So I am concerned about the, the socialization piece. You know, even though I'm a, someone who likes technology, I don't want to see children on screens just for hour after hour right. after hour after hour. So, you know, as parents, we need to break that up. As community members, we need to break that up. But socialization is important because I believe that's how uh, I think our democracy suffers mm -hmm. when we're isolated from one another and I think we are closer to living up to our, our ideals when we engage with, with one another. 
I, I think I, I find that amazing. I know as a little kid running around these these here parts, um, that we had a, a pecking order. I mean, you had you had the big boys, you had the little boys. You know what I mean? You couldn't cross lines. It's like okay, well, you know, you couldn't even get into a, a beef with somebody that's a, a smaller group than you because somebody gonna come and check you. That's right. You know, so we had our own little little like okay, this this is the order of things, and 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 you know, I guess nowadays things. Have, you know, changed a lot with um, different um, social skills that, that are coming along, but but I, I couldn't imagine. I mean, being being in, I mean, but we didn't have computers at all, so you know. I mean, I, I, the, the 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 you know, I tell people all the time that technology can uh, it's like water; uh, it can refresh you or it can drown you, mm. and so we have to be wise in our in our use of it. So. I love the fact that our children have access to the technology that they do. I think they are the most skilled, most knowledgeable, most brilliant generation we've ever had, and I think technology plays a role in that. Uh, but the the adult, the community, the family also plays a, a role in trying to make sure that we use the technology uh, for good, that we use it responsibly, and in this case, that we use it uh, use it for learning. Right. Right. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm to change up a little bit, throw a little change up pitch All right, here. That's fine. Um, you know, um, and, and I know the powers that be in, in, in this great, great metropolis, and I'm being funny, but um, I do love my city. I think people can say anything about me, but nobody can say, hey, that boy don't love Norfolk. Yes. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. But I do see that the city, it's gentrification is underway again. You know, from from my perch, from where I see that, you know, it's, it's underway again with the um, the the um, tearing down of the housing projects. Now, that's a whole nother uh, show, but um, you know, I worry about you know um, not just the displacement of families. You know, I mean, because even in the projects, it's probably not the ideal um, you know living yeah. conditions. So, you know, I do want people to to. Uh, you know, want to uh, strive and do better. But um, tying that in with the education piece, with that whole St. Paul's corridor, I think it's, what it was it like, a total of like 700 or something total units that are going to be when you... Well, there's... Uh, Calvert. Let's see know. if I can remember correctly. So, mm. you know, I spent time on the housing authority. So I think um, in Tywater Park, it's 616 units, mm. I think. Uh, Young Terrace has 700 and so, and then Calvert probably has another 350, 275 units. I, ironically, uh, as I tend to do, uh, I actually was rereading the Choice Neighborhood Grant application that the Housing Authority submitted, and the city submitted. Uh, I was rereading it earlier today, and, uh, and it reminded me yet again that in each of those communities, uh, the majority of residents there are under the age of 18. Really? Yeah, so at one time, I remember in the 2000 census, there was an article that came out in the paper that said that this census tract, this area where, uh, where the public housing communities are, was uh, the only census tract in the Commonwealth of Virginia where there were more youth than adults. Still is the case. So... Um, you know, I appreciate your use of the word uh, gentrification. Um, I think it's still uh, wholesale uh, Negro removal. Mm. Uh, That's unfiltered. 
Okay. Unfiltered, right? When my brother and I started knowing that, we used to say the uncut black experience. So you're being unfiltered, I'm going to be a little uncut. That's right. I think it's straight up Negro removal. There is a connection, I believe, between housing policy and school policy. Mm -hmm. It has been Norfolk's history, right. uh, especially since, uh, you know, 1954 and a little bit earlier. So we have, uh, uh, we've had historically racially segregated neighborhoods. We've had circumstances like uh, uh, urban renewal or public housing redevelopment or whatever terminology that folks want to use on it. And, and like you, I want everybody to have the opportunity to live in a healthy neighborhood of choice. However, what the system has done is uh, a combination of neglect. Mm -hmm. So first we segregate. So the Tidewater... Young and Calvert were created as uh, public housing for Negroes. Right. At the time, because Norfolk had slums and a lot of cities had slums, you know, it was working families, it was families, and it was a step up because it was a better environment. Right. Uh, but through the pattern, the Norfolk pattern that I think I have seen in cities all around this country, we segregate, we concentrate, we uh, isolate, we neglect, then we go and ask for uh, money. Mm. You know, give me a grant so I can then manage the the hill that I've created, right? So that I can get paid to live somewhere else, and then I'm going to come and demolish, and then I'm going to move the families to other isolated, segregated areas, which impacts their quality of life, right. impacts their wealth, impacts their health, impacts their access to. To education. So I'm very, very, very disappointed that in uh, 2020, we are still following our generation right. is following the same model that was established back in the 1950s with the specific intent of maintaining school segregation by doing it through housing policies and practices. So we talked a little bit earlier about socialization. All the data tells us, if you look at crime data, education data, health data, uh, mixed income neighborhoods are good. Uh, racially diverse neighborhoods are good as well. And so it is, it, to me, it's, it's really unconscionable to just allow families to live in uh, substandard conditions and then come and show families pretty pictures and say, well, wouldn't you like to live here? And everybody <laughs> says, yes, I would. But I can't afford but it. But then when it comes time for, uh, for the opportunity to come back, there's barrier after barrier after barrier. And I'll, I'll say one other comment, and I'll yield. It's still, I still remember like it was yesterday when I was still on the Housing Authority Board and we went to uh, Moton Circle. Mm. And we promised the families, oh, hey, if you just let us bulldoze Moton Circle, we're going to request a Hope Six grant, and then we're going to let you all come back. And we bulldoze Moton Circle, and that was in 2008, maybe. And if you go out to Moton Circle today, in 2020, it's still barren. It's still barren. Nothing has been built back. Right. And if you ask people where are those families today, I guarantee you folks don't know. And so it's that level of not just gentrification, but uh, as we're, you know, walking in the streets and people are protesting today, talking about uh, equity and equal opportunity and treatment not being second class. Right. 
the words and the actions have to match. Well, well you know, it troubles me because, like we just talked about your, um, your I said, long descending voice. I know it sounded ominous, but you know, the same way with, um, with um, Paul Riddick on city council. And I, and I know this thing was a done deal, and I think the last time that it came before the school board was two, two meetings ago. And they, I guess he wanted further clarification. City Council. City Council. Okay, okay. I just said school board. City right. Council. He wanted further clarification. And it troubles me. It troubles me to see when I look at the City Council meetings uh, virtually, it just troubles me is, is that's, um, that there's not a greater sense of responsibility towards the community. And I don't know any other way to say it. I just, you know, it, it you know, I just feel like, even I think like now they just hired a place called, well, Urban Strategies. You know they have the grant, it's supposed to be easing in the transition piece, but you know I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really happy with what I've seen so far. Yeah, you know? I'm not either. And 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 I don't mean to um, say this to separate myself from from Councilman Riddick, but uh, I don't want to dissent just for the sake of dissent. Uh, you know, I want to. If I'm going to dissent, it's right. because I feel like I have a plan of action, and I'm going to support that plan of action. You know, like I said, even in my case, you know, once the decision is made, I'm, I'm going to go out and work and make things as best as I can. Um, but personally, I would like to see more. Um, I don't. I don't want to just see uh, dissent. Uh, just for the for sake, the sake of, the of the sake. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get that, but I mean, you know, when I don't. That's no shade. That's just. That's I, just but that's I, just, when I was watching the meeting, I didn't, I didn't actually get, get it, get that point. I was like, something's going, something's rotten in Denmark, you know, and, and just looking at it, you know, because so many times, I mean, everything is affirmative. You know, it's like it's like a hundred percent. They call it one off. Can they run through the meeting? And, oh, yeah. and yeah. I just, I just it can't just be that. You just can't govern like that. I, yeah. That's a whole nother show. I but, agree with you. I agree. You know, and um, but since we're on talking about resources, let's talk about it. Um, the equal distribution of resources. I know we had another count, uh, school board member up here, and I was talking about my niece who went to Norview, who uh was doing her homework. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm doing my homework. She was on her, on her phone, you know, and, and you know, I, you know, like I said, that's, that's the phone that I got her. I was proud of her. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, she's doing the homework and she's a, a junior at Norview. And I'm thinking y'all don't have a Chromebook. Cause she has two smaller, you know, sister, sister and brother. And I was like, well, I want to know. I mean, I think that's something that has to um, be, be monitored monitor, you know, equal distribution. I don't want to see people at W.H. Taylor, you know, if we all, you know, paying taxes and, you know, they're, you know, I don't want to see them have resources and brand new Chromebooks, you know, then when we look at Richard Bowling, you know, it's a different, it's a different picture and it's been that way. So it might be even revolutionary, <laughs> unfortunately, to, but, I, you know, I need you to watch that, right now. Well, to, I'll take it a, a, a step further. You, you're talking about the equal distribution of resources. I'm talking about the equitable distribution of resources. The okay. fact is, is that there are um, students and families in parts of our town that should receive more. 
mm. uh, because of the, if nothing else, because of some of these uh, systemic issues that we've been we've been talking about. Uh, so, I'm. I want every child to have a Chromebook or device. I believe it's the responsibility of the school system to provide that device. I've been advocating or saying to families, if you go get a device, okay, don't I don't I don't I don't like the idea of simply me coming to you and say, hey Bob, do you need a device? Right, right. And then you have to I mean, how do you know the answer? Because unless you know what the software programs are, unless you you know have all this background information. If you base off, base your decision off of what you have in your household, if you have anything, but if you base it off of what's in your household, but if you don't know if what you have in your household actually is going to work for your child or your grandchild or for your niece, how exactly. can you make an informed decision? So I believe the position of the school system should be, especially in this virtual environment, to make sure that every child, I don't care where your background is, has access to devices that we know that if there is a technical support issue, that the school system can monitor and support and provide assistance. If I'm using my Mac in my house and my daughter's using it and there's a problem, and then she calls up the help desk and they say, oh, well, we don't have the capacity to access your personal device, that's a problem. Right. But if she has the school system's issued device, then there should be no reason that the help desk or the teacher or whoever wouldn't be able to support her learning because she would have what the school system has issued. Right, right. So I'm encouraging uh, every family to take the opportunity to call up the school system and request a Chromebook, request a hotspot, request the software, anything that is available that the school system has and says it's needed for your child to be successful, go get it. So do you think the teachers will be, I guess, with the virtual training Will they say, or I guess what they ask, well, who has a Chromebook in the class? Or, or, or will they be able to, uh, well, they probably can't do it without the, um, them having one at first. So how do they? Well, my understanding is there have been some surveys that have been done. Mm -hmm. But now that we are a few days at the time that we're doing this podcast, that we're a few days out from, uh, from school starting, we're going to know uh, September the 8th who has what. But leading up to September 8th, I'm saying that you and I, we're on social media, we're on the, the computer, we're talking to folks in the, in the community. Uh, ask us. I mean, literally, people think I make this stuff up, but I get multiple calls a day from families. I had multiple calls today from families that said, hey, uh, Rodney, what is Canvas? How do I connect to Canvas? Do mm. I need a password for that? And then I'm trying to help them navigate the, the website or directing them who they need to contact at the school to get that information. But under typical circumstances, you and I know a lot of times, uh, many of us don't really know us, don't really tune in mm -hmm. until, until the first day of school. Until the first day of school. And I don't want it to be the case that we find uh, large numbers of children who already may be uh, disconnected to we go one week, two week, three weeks to find out that they don't have the uh, capacity and the capability to, to do their online learning. We need to know today. Well, Ronnie, we're just about out of time, but oh, okay. before we go, okay. before we go, you just received an award recently. I, 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 I cut on my social media and I was like, look at Ronnie up there with a the good, with, with the good suit on and everything. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> 
So tell me, tell us about this award. You're always doing great things. What, what yeah, was this about? Well, it actually surprised me because I didn't know I was receiving it. So uh-huh. uh, some people, and I'm not sure I even know to this day who submitted my name, but uh, North Public Schools is a part of the uh, Council of Urban Boards of Education. So it's okay. part of the National School Board Association. And so they have a Lifetime Achievement Award that is named after the great uh, uh, Benjamin Mays. Okay. And so I'm the recipient, this year's recipient of a wow. Lifetime Achievement Award uh, named in honor of Benjamin Mays, which uh, even as I'm talking to you about it right now, I don't, I'm not sure I deserve such a thing. That's a national um, honor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Right. Wow. But to okay. be even, to receive anything, you know, Benjamin Mays, Howard Thurman, Dr. King, uh, these folks were uh, leaders and godfathers of the uh, civil rights movement and, and more. Benjamin Mays, of course, who used to also lead Morehouse, uh, to even be mentioned in his name is, a, is an honor in and of itself. So I am thankful for it. Not sure I uh, deserve it, but I appreciate those who felt that I was worthy and those who felt I was worthy to receive it. Well, you've been on the battlefield a while, Rodney, so I mean, you know, uh, just count your blessings and, um, you know, I'm happy for you to receive it. I don't think, you, you know, I don't know who the recipients are, but you know, the past recipients, but I'm sure it's well-deserved. Um, like I said, I've, I've had a, a lot of programs in the school, and I've always, I was like, that's, that's my go-to. I was like, always been able to count on Rodney. So um, we're going to wrap the show up. I okay. want to say thank you for coming out, Rodney. We appreciate you coming out. Uh, we'll catch you next time on Unfiltered with Bob Z. Well, you know we're going to be unfiltered. <laughs>